1: Welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast which focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. Welcome to the first of four podcast episodes where we talk about the LVO uh, lists going up up to the LVO and kind of the way the 40k meta is going to shape out before the LVO, Um, some pre-LVO podcast shenanigans, good stuff, and with me I have my first of four top 10 ITC guests. Brandon Grant. Say hi Brandon.
0: Hello everyone.
1: I did have Brandon on a previous episode. The uh, Battle Company episode I believe is what it was. Beating Battle Company is the name of the episode if you guys want to check that out. If you guys are having problems with Battle Company players in your local meta um, or if you want to kind of beat Battle Company feel like you, you're there, kind of a rough matchup for you it's a great episode. But anyways we are here because Brandon is the number two ranked player in the IVC right now. Um, he's hot. He has won, I believe, three majors this year. Two, two, three. How many, Brandon?
0: Um, I don't think I've won that many majors, but I always confuse majors and the other levels of events. Okay, so the, the two, majors
1: are the big fifty-plus man two-day events. Then I've won at least two of those. Okay, you you, you won the Hammer of Wrath DT, which I believe had fifty-eight players.
0: 60? It was just squeaking in there. Yeah, and the uh, Bay Area Open,
1: which which had I think around two hundred players, but who's counting? Um, but anyways Brandon you you certainly deserved your top two spot and uh, you were definitely in the runnings for that $2,000 ITC championship reward at the end of the season Uh, so you are you going to the LVO first and foremost
0: yes I already have my room blocked out and tickets so I'm ready to go
1: all right and are you ready to play in the LVO
0: yes in fact just this past weekend All of the uh, models that I plan to take to LVO are now minimum three colors based and ready to go.
1: Okay. What about mentally?
0: Mentally? Yeah, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: What about physically?
0: Yeah. I am physically ready for anything. What about sexually? I think I'm ready that way too. Are you sure? My body is ready.
1: Okay, your body's ready. Good. Uh, And for those of you who maybe missed the memo, I'm going to be interviewing four players in the top ten of the ITC. Uh, for the month of January leading up to the LVO with the intention to build on the 40k meta and kind of What you guys will expect to see at Delvio, what top list you'll expect to see, top players, players to look out for And if you're going to the LVO, maybe I can help you out once or twice in one of your matchups Hopefully that that's the goal. But anyways, Brandon, what army is your primary army for the, this season for the ITC?
0: Unsurprisingly, it is Dark Angels.
1: Okay, and what have you been winning with lately? Just to go over your your list that you've been doing well, kind of like so your flagship list. The
0: list that I took to the Bay Area Open and the Hammer of Wrath was a pure Dark Angels list, based primarily around a Lion's Blade, which is the equivalent to a Battle Company, and with a Ravenwing Strike Force detachment as well. Okay. So traditional Battle Company plus a uh, two units of Black Knights of six and a Dark Darkshroud. Yeah.
1: I- uh, and for those of you who don't know, that list is really nasty. Yeah, Brandon did a list tech article. We talked about his list more in depth, and uh, it's a really good list. It set the 40k world by storm when he won the BAO, and it was kind of was kind of an, I don't want to say an unknown list, because there were a few people that knew about the Dark Angels Battle Company, but it wasn't on everyone's radar in terms of top-tier competitive lists. When you thought top-tier competitive lists, you thought Eldar, uh, White Scars Battle Company, Chaos Demons, any flavor of Chaos Demons. And um, Pro- I'm, I'm skipping one. I'm missing. White Scars Battle Company, Eldar, Tau, Death Stars. Space there- Wolves. Space Wolves. Space Wolves and Death Stars. That, that was the other big one. Uh, Warp Spiders. Basically, everything that you would expect to see at a top table at the, at the LVR or any large event, Brandon it wasn't really running, except maybe Ravenwing. But he didn't run them with any particularly powerful characters or psychic powers, which is generally what you see Ravenwing ran with. So, at the time, it, it was kind of a, a unique win for the 40k community because this underrated army Dark Angels, who would normally only be perceived as, you know, Death Star, they're only Death Star caddies, basically. They won, and Brandon was the guy who did it. So, a lot's happened since the BAO and since the Hammer of Wrath GT. Gen- the Genesier Cult Codex came out, the Wrath of Magnus book, and that new split rule for the Pink Horse, that came out, and that was... FAQ'd and fixed, uh, the Trader Legions book came out, and then the GW FAQ. So a lot of things happened in the meta between now and the and the Hammer of Wrath DT. So how has that kind of changed your mentality and changed your list?
0: So first of all, there were a short list of things that I was worried about with the Raven Wing in okay. particular. So things like uh, marker light spam tau, things like demon summoning, flaming chariots. Uh, Anything with Ignore's Cover and AP3, or better, tended to be a serious problem. So I had to build the list to be able to play around those, but it wasn't something I expected to see every time I was playing or be that common. The new FAQs have made getting a jinx save more difficult from GW. So things like uh, beam powers do not allow you to jink if you are hit by them, for example so that makes chaos demons much more effective against ravenwing than they were before because now they have more tools to deal with bikes Um, gene stealer cult really doesn't care about cover saves because they're all about turn one assaults right same with the new chaos space marines supplement traders hate uh some of the i believe you were talking with james carmona about this and his list tech article talking about having 40 or 50 uh, berserker equivalent marines attempting to charge you on turn one yes again that, yeah <laughs> that is uh not going to care about re jinx saves at all right so i do believe that the meta has shifted more towards melee threats and towards threats that ignore jinx saves or just don't care about cover at all okay so yeah. black knights are a bit more fragile than they were at bao and hammer wrath
1: and that wouldn't normally be a problem, except how much is it for one of your units of Ravenwing?
0: 270 points for six in a command squad with just an Apothecary. So Which is a lot. It is. And if you're losing one of those units turn one and one of those units turn two, that's a great chunk of your army, especially when your characters are in those units. So it really puts you on a back foot almost immediately mm-hmm. if those units are taken out quickly.
1: Okay. Now, the next, next question just kind of comes in part to this. Is with the new FAQ, Gene Seer Codex, Trader's Legion's book, and Wrath of Magnus book, a lot of players are switching their primary faction and switching their lists around completely. Did you do that?
0: Uh, my primary faction is definitely going to be Dark Angels for the foreseeable future.
1: Okay, awesome. So it's nice to see you're still sticking with your guns. Uh, although, you know, like you said, Ravenwing, and to an extent, the not the thunder wolf stars, but the death stars that rely more the air and a long stars is what a lot of people know them as Those are the death stars that take advantage of the rerollable jinx save and Maybe don't take advantage so much of the crazy psychic powers They're usually okay with just invis and the rerollable jinx save and then they get by on offensive psychic powers and summoning or whatever Whatever they want to do. Uh, so th- those two units and styles of lists, I think did take a hit which I agree with completely so, look for those maybe to dwindle a little. I, I don't know what Aaron Elong's going to do. I, I really wish he would just post his list out for everyone to see. But, um, Aaron, if you're listening to this, Aaron Elong, go ahead and tell us what you're running because I'd like to know. Or not, you know, it's no big deal. I understand. But I imagine Aaron Elong, um, he once mentioned that he was a big melee guy, which means he might, maybe he might run uh, Blood Angels or. I don't know world eaters. they might appeal to him but he i know he's always been a close combat assault kind of guy He's always liked that part of the game so anyways moving on uh what factions do you think will make the top eight with this new meta
0: so i think at least one book from either trader's hate or gene stealer cult will get at least close to the top eight okay because there are some definitely surprising um, combinations that you can form with those new books.
1: Okay, and by, by uh, one book, do you mean a Trader's Legion army like the World Eaters or Alpha Legions, or do you mean a Cabal Star that uses Trader's Legion
0: rules? Well, that almost goes without saying, because okay. some of the new book or, or the new rules definitely line up nicely with a Cabal Star, okay. so I would not be surprised to see at least one Cabal Star with Trader's Hate, uh, Allied Detachment, or other formations making it into the final eight Wouldn't be surprised at all. Okay. Um, I definitely think that Eldar is definitely going to be in the top eight. There's some very strong (laughs) lists that continue to dominate uh, tournaments coming from Eldar and possibly even Corsairs. Okay. Fair enough. um, My final game, for example, at the Hammer of Wrath tournament was against another Brandon, and he was running a Corsairs army that was absolutely devastating MSU shooting so I would not be surprised to see something similar to that make it to the top eight. But I still group that together with Eldar. Of course, Chaos Demons are probably making it to the top eight. There'll probably be yeah. a few Space Marine players, mm. and then that leaves room for maybe one or two oddballs. Like, um, there's some very good Necron players, very good Renegades players, um, maybe a Genestealer cult list with Tyranid allies. Uh, who knows? There's a few lists that are of waiting in the wings to also make it into the, the top eight at LVL. Maybe orcs, perhaps? Perhaps. Oh. Orcs are still strong. They After are. the Void Shield nerf, even for, uh, you can't, for everyone who knows, um, the Void Shield with the GW FAQ only covers units that are wholly within 12 inches. Yes. As opposed to units partially within 12 inches. So you can't take a green tide of orcs covered by a Void Shield anymore.
1: But you can take two Void Shield generators now, which... Uh, I I think I personally am considering running two Void Shield Generators and then maybe running a bunch of artillery in there uh, Because getting through six Void Shields to get to a unit to shoot at a unit is really really tough And especially if you put a close a hard-hitting close combat unit in there anything really even if it's just like a beat stick chapter master uh, That it's actually insanely tough. It's a good Hard fortress of protection,
0: very difficult to remove with shooting. I'll with, agree with
1: shooting. Uh, you, that's why you need to kind of balance it with some good close combat presence, which you know, of course, is. I think I agree with you. I think the meta is shifting towards that. But two void shield generators with uh, maybe I, I could see Tau using taking advantage of two storm shield generators, maybe uh, some riptides and two storm surges in the void shield generator, kind of kind of like whatever you can fit in both of them, and then from there. You you have you don't have to worry about alpha strikes grab alpha strikes as much because they have to roll six sixes to even start taking away wounds from you, and your storm surges can kind of clean up most things in close combat, with the exception of some really really hardcore hitting death stars. Uh, but you know that's why you have croup and you can bubble wrap right. with Croup because I love Croup.
0: Bob, well I'll put it this way: I would be very surprised if a double storm uh, double void shield list made it to the top eight at LVO.
1: Guys, back me up here. I need you. I need all of you listeners. <laughs> They're all probably shaking their heads, like, probably you don't know what you're talking about. we we'll is just understand. But I don't really know what I'm talking
0: I about. I think it's a time. cool list, but I think there are some <laughs> other lists that are a bit more dangerous running around out there.
1: You're absolutely right. Uh, and I'm not going to announce my predictions for the top eight until right before the LVO in the form of a blog article, uh, but I will say that I do think one orc player will make the top eight orc players if you guys can hear me if you're listening to this I believe in every single one of you just promise me none of you will get too drunk the Saturday night before finals so you can win the LBO please that so I, I always see that every year it's it's I don't I, I love orc players and I'm not I'm not calling them all crazy party animals but it just consistently every time I see a player an orc player in the top eight at a two-day event or top 16, who's doing well? He's maybe three zero. He's kicking butt. He's taking out some really big people. They, just, they always just falter that round four. The the very first round of the new day, I, I just it's just consistent. They're like, oh, I lost, and and they always just happen to you know be drinking the night before, maybe. So you know, orc players. <laughs> uh, but all joking aside, I do think an orc player has the potential to make the top eight at Bellevue.
0: All right, well, I'd be excited if they did.
1: Right, I think most people would. I think people would freak out. They're like, what? A 40k apocalypse, orcs are in the top eight. Anyways, uh, what armies do you think will be played the most at Thalvio, And which armies do you think have kind of fallen out of favor?
0: Okay, so... If you're asking about which armies will p- people bring the most...
1: Yes, be played, bring the most.
0: Then Space Marines has to be the right answer. Well, of
1: course, Space Marines. But, but do you think everyone's going to be bringing White Scars Battle Companies?
0: I think there'll still be plenty of those. Uh, yeah. But there right. might even be a few Blue Scars and Green Scars Battle Companies.
1: <laughs> Yellow Scars,
0: various flavors of Scars. Uh, and what else? Um, after that, I think there'll be plenty of Chaos... Players coming out of the woodwork because this new book has definitely upped their power level. I agree. And their fluff is so great and there's so many hardcore fans that I would be surprised if there weren't dozens or m- many, many, many uh, Chaos Space Marine and Demon players coming out to play at LVO.
1: I agree 100%. There, the Trader's Legion book, uh, the podcast that where we talk about the Trader's Legion book, got the most listens out of any of my podcasts. Uh, it broke the record for all the podcasts of the month, and it, you know I think people really want to hear about Trader's Legion. I think people really want to know what what that book has to offer. And people have been sitting on their Chaos Space Marine models for years and years and years, with that 3.5 edition Codex hanging in the wall, kind of like framed, and maybe signed by Matt Ward, and that's it. And they're they're kind of just been lamenting their the loss of their codex so the trader's legion book uh it brings a lot of powerful things and i think you're right chaos space marine players they might even match demons and eldar for popularity they're not going to match space marines but
0: absolutely to your point eldar are definitely also going to be a huge presence unfortunately and i think after that you're going to see plenty of tau players yes um and you might see a handful of necron a handful of tyranid slash gene stealer cult combinations Uh uh-huh And a handful of orc players, of course. Okay. But I do not think... I may be jumping the gun here, but I don't think you'll see too many guard players, unfortunately. And um, definitely not that many sisters or Grey Knights either. No,
1: no, they didn't get any real love. You're also not going to see... I think maybe one person will be running a Death Watch primary faction, unfortunately. Which is really weird, because you'll probably see a bunch of Death Watch models. You'll see Death Watch models in Rhinos... Trying doing their best white scars impression, uh, most definitely. Uh, you'll probably see a few, maybe in Death Stars, a uh, few you, you know, Watchmasters here and there, but I don't think you're going to see a Death Watch primary faction. Um, and you're certainly not going to see one in the top 50, unfortunately. Poor Death Watch, uh, anyways. Um, you've been practicing for the LVO, I hope.
0: Yes, definitely. Okay,
1: so I know you have a few tournaments that you you plan to go to in the month of January. But before that, how, tell me about some of the practice games you've had for the LVO.
0: So, with some of the new books coming out, my team and I have been trying to practice against the new books. And the last practice game we had, um, my friend Michael Snyder played Gene Steeler Cult, and Ooh. I played the list that I'm considering taking to LVO. And um, Gene Stealer Cult, I can summarize this way, does not like full, Overwatch, uh, uh, full Ballistic Heal Overwatch at all no so not one bit even though you get a turn one charge on me i'm still getting a shooting phase before you get to charge me and right. even with the gene Steeler cult getting first turn and me not seizing it was a very uphill battle for gene Steeler cult against my list so right because you can match
1: them for model count i can and you actually have you have vehicles um armor your marines have a three-up armor save, so if they're not rending they're really not hurting you And in the meantime, you have just as much damage output as they do.
0: And um, I'm actually a big fan of the Humble Flamethrower.
1: (laughs) Though those flamers... um, Guys, buy your flamer bits now.
0: Because... Before you can. not If you didn't know, Gene Steeler Cult can be shrouded turn one with some of their formations. (sighs) And without flamers, that would have been a much tighter game.
1: Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And flamers are kind of... Flamers are kind of really... If you're worried about Genestear um Eldar, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, bring, Don't bring Wraith Guard, I was just joking. But
0: just an extra 10 or 20 points sprinkling flamers throughout yep. the battle company went a very long way.
1: Oh yeah, and you can do that. Most armies can do that, actually. Most armies have access to some sort of Ignore's cover to deal with the, the Genestear Cult, except Eldar don't really have anything, maybe in the form of psychic powers. I think Eldar can do some good there. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but they might have to ally in something.
0: And Eldar just tend to have overwhelming firepower to begin with in many of their lists if they're not running a Death Star. Yes. So they can handle Gene Steeler Cult, I believe, as well, especially if they're doing Corsair's reserves manipulation, where if they get cornered, they can just teleport off the board and show up somewhere else. So, Eldar do have tools where they can deal with Gene Stealer Cult, I believe.
1: Right, and if they are mobile. They're they're just as mobile as the Gene Stealer Cult army, if not more mobile. Uh, I I just I don't know. I really I'm firmly of the belief that Gene Stealer Cult will be the fall of Eldar players. I I hope one one can hope, right? Um, but anyways, so you're you're gonna see a lot of um, Gene Stealer Cult. So obviously, Brandon, you play Gene Stealer Cult. Uh, Did you get any other practice games in?
0: That was the last one. Um, I actually want to practice as well against my teammate, Aaron Hayden. He's running a Renegades primary list, and the amount of firepower that he can bring at 1850 is disgusting.
1: Yeah, He maxes out two cads worth of artillery, correct?
0: He has the models to do so, too. Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) And he has enough ablative wounds in front of it that you can't just drop pot in and alpha strike him, Right. or just shoot all the guns away, because you still have these melee threats that he brings as well. Right, and whether... he also has two
1: knights as well, correct? Sometimes. okay.
0: So he's debating whether or not to take those. Ooh. But I think that his pure Renegades list is actually his deadliest list, mm. and I have yet to practice against it. I'm excited to do so. I think he stands a very good chance of just tabling me if I don't play very well. Yeah. So that would be a fun practice game, I think.
1: Yeah, and... Obviously, renegades have a lot of firepower to take out battle company, and um, but they're not really that mobile.
0: They're not. They're not at all. So that's where the battle company has an advantage. Is even though I can't outshoot him, and I probably can't outlast him, I can at least control more of the board during the game. And if I have enough units on the last turn to at least tie primary, then I might still stand a good chance of winning.
1: Okay. Now, Brandon, the world wants to know. And this question is completely optional. Uh, What are you bringing to the LVO?
0: So I'll tell you what I'm not bringing. Okay, what are you not bringing? A Ravenwing Strike Force. Oh no, Ravenwing. You got the axe. So going back to some of the armies expected to be at LVO, for example, I think that the new Magnus model is not only a magnificent sculpt, but that it's going to be in many, many, many of the demon and uh, traitors hate type books. Oh yeah or Lys, at LVO. And Magnus by himself basically counters a Black Knight unit every turn because he can summon a Burning Chariot and he's got his Strength D beam right. that he can cast every turn without perils. And there's not really anything defensively that the Black Knights can do about it. They can't even return fire because he's flying the whole game. They can't charge him. Yep. They don't deal with Magnus very effectively. Just based on how common Magnus might be, Um, it seems like the last nail in the coffin to me for Black Knights in my particular battle company. Not saying that Black Knights can't still be very good, but what I'm saying is the way I was running them as mobile harassment melee threats is not as effective, in my opinion, after the new books have landed, especially with the GWFAQ where I can't drink beams.
1: Yeah, and I think across the board, I think you're going to see a trend with that too. I don't think you're going to see a lot of white scars bike armies anymore or ravenwing biker armies i don't i don't know if they'll
0: maybe iron hands
1: they they you know in iron hands and and this is these are all non death star armies because that death star is a completely different beast for magnus to deal with entirely i mean you, you can still you can still torrent flamer them or you can still flamer them in the itc because of the nerfed invisibility but it'll be a lot harder to d them because they're denying the which on fours or fives, and Instead even if sixes, you do
0: d them, they tend to have ablative wounds with invulnerable saves. Right.
1: So, so you really have to roll sixes to take out key characters, um, which is hard because they're also mobile, and you Magnus moves just as fast as them. So it's kind of hard to get those those angles to get off those key characters. But non Death Star bike units, I think you're right. I think they'll have a tough time. Um, Is there any hints you want to give to the people at home who may be running Dark Angels need a little help?
0: Be ready to deal with first-turn assaults and be ready to deal with Significant melee threats that are immune to shooting ie Death Stars Because I think we're gonna see a lot of those at LVO.
1: Okay, cool Dark Angels players You heard them and Space Ring players you heard them and Eldar players. Basically, that's really good advice. Uh, I agree you definitely need to be afraid of multi charges multiple threats. I think bubble wrapping is, uh, which is kind of a lost art that you've seen, spe- specifically with some of the top tier lists that you saw. Uh, uh, it just If you just take the top eight at the LVO, I don't think there were any bubble wrap units, period. I think uh, Sean Naden didn't really need the bubble wrap, his murder host, or his uh, corpse thief claw, that's what they're called. Uh, the battle company player pretty much just played with reserve manipulation and outflanking. 45 war spiders, it's really hard to bubble wrap with Forty-five warp spiders because they're moving all over the place, and so so bubble wrapping I think is key. The off strikes are starting to come back a little bit, but we'll see. I mean, traditionally players play towards turn four and turn five and jump on objectives at the end, and that holds that's held true held true for the last two LBOs. So that might still be the same. So you might just need a mobile army that needs to survive long enough to jump on objectives and win the game.
0: I mean, oftentimes you might be playing from behind just based on the matchup. Right. So if your list can have a few objective-secured preferable units survive to the end of the game, yes. and you can score maelstrom during the game, you still stand a chance of winning, even if you only have three models left on the board.
1: Yes, and that happens often. But you need to be prepared, so you don't want to get tabled. You don't want to lose those. Those uh, obsec mobile units are important, and you don't want to lose them. And I see a lot of Elder players do this a lot, but I see a lot of players who kind of put them out, kind of risk them a little too much for extra maelstrom points. So they'll get one or two extra maelstrom points and that might win them the maelstrom but ultimately if the if the game goes on longer than they expected and game goes on to turn seven they're they're done they can't they can't catch up anyways are there any players you're hoping to get a grudge match with or against um are there any players that you want to play
0: um Honestly, I really enjoy the really competitive games against players who really know what they're doing. Okay. And I had plenty of that at Bay Area, and I had plenty of that at Hammer of Wrath. But at the past few LVOs, I've had the chance, or the fortune, to play extremely skilled players. So players like uh, Andrew Gagnon and his Tau. Mm-hmm. Um, he had an, what I would describe as a magnificent off-meta Tau list at the last year's LVO and smashed me thoroughly in round five. And he was your only loss, I believe. He was. <laughs> but it was such a um, crushing defeat that I would really enjoy the chance to play him again, just because even if I am defeated, we had a great game. So cool. I'd love the chance to play him again.
1: Andrew Gagneau, who's also a class act, by the way, is a really nice guy, and his Tau are crazy, and he knows how to play them really well. Uh, Andrew Gagneau, if you're listening to this, Brandon Grant wants you.
0: Not only that, but uh, the LVO before that, I had the good fortune to play Nick Nanavati in round five and also get crushed by <laughs> him Nick <Nanavati> in is... <laughs> an extremely tactical game.
1: Yeah. Nick Nanavati is the only guy I know who can just appear to be having fun, drinking and relaxing, but just know exactly what's going on on the tabletop and, and still win. Uh, Pajama Pants is one of the other guys. Uh, they, they, Those guys just know how to have fun and relax, but still win the game and, and manage not to lose their heads,
0: so, which is cool. Yeah, those are two of the players I've lost catastrophically to in the past and really enjoyed playing against both of them, and I would be very happy to play either one of them again.
1: Okay, and speaking of uh, competitive players and matchups and that you will potentially get into, what are what is an army that you'd be not so thrilled to play up against at the LVO?
0: Well, let's see.
1: What's, what's a nightmare matchup?
0: uh death stars are still somewhat of a problem particularly if they're backed up by a lot of scoring units um or the way james was running his list at barrier open james carmona Mm -hmm. i really liked his death star it was terrifying but on top of that he had a little screamer star as well right and the screamer star was intended to block any units you would have that would counter his death star so a very tactical list in terms of even if you already have plans for a death star he has plans to counter your plans. Right. So lists like that are extremely terrifying, I think.
1: Right. And the other thing about that duo Death Star list, which I think is definitely the way to go uh, in terms of just tactics and and a competitive list, is that that small minor Death Star, that Screamer Star, a lot of times your opponent only has answers for one Death Star, right? They maybe they might have one clex Assassin, or one unit of Sisters of Silence, or one hard-hitting Death Star, or one imperial or whatever right uh so when you have two that second death star whichever one isn't dealing with the death star threat is dealing with everything else that can't deal with a death star and on top of that that scrimmage starts summoning uh which means they can just kill a unit summon leave them on the objective and then go kill another unit blah 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 blah. it's great it's a really nasty
0: list speaking of that uh the new pink horrors are definitely going to be a pain uh, the summoned pink horrors aren't going to be objective secured, but if you're trying to eliminate pink horrors by shooting them when they're in a ruin, going to ground for a three-up re rerolling ones and getting a new unit for every casualty or every turn they take casualties, is going to be extremely challenging to deal with. Yeah. So yeah. absolutely, as the Death Star goes around the table, they can just summon pink horrors and hold that unit or that objective forever, unless you get your own unit over there to deal with them.
1: Yeah, and I think with pink horrors, I don't think that you're going to see a lot of pink horrors in the top 8 or the top 16. Um, at least not some, not unsummoned ones, ones that people paid points for. Obviously summoned ones are a completely different story. But in terms of an actual choice that people are paying putting points into, I don't think you're going to see a lot of them. That's because uh, hopefully people are starting to realize that melee is, is more dominant now. And that's actually how you beat splitting pink horrors. Because you don't shoot at them, you just run up to them, don't let them go anywhere. And then they're not upset, so you can contest their objective or outscore it. And you just charge them and you just start beating them up in close combat.
0: Now, admittedly, it's going to take you three turns to eliminate all of them. Because even if you... And, unless you sweep them. If you sweep them, oh, they right, still right. summon the units that you right. beat to death. Right. So as long as you beat to death one of them, they'll have a new unit that you then have to kill again. But... Unless you surround them... Yes. with six inches of bodies that's, so there's no space to place them
1: yeah because of the gWfeq you just you can't you don't place them wherever you want now you can't daisy chain them you have to place them within six inches of where the unit was uh, or where the model that died the was.
0: last model that was removed
1: yeah the last model which which clears up so much and and makes it so you really you really can decide how how those pink horror units are going to get placed but if you're the Charger.
0: If you're just using a squad of 10 Gene Stealer Cultists, for example, you're not going to be able to pull that off. No. You're going to need a very large unit or units in order to surround and eliminate them, which is a huge investment of resources to kill a 90-point unit. True, true.
1: But depending on where that 90-point unit is, you might get an objective out of it.
0: I'm just saying that for the amount of time and resources you need to eliminate a 10-man unit of pink horrors... If you don't have objective secured, it's going to be very difficult for you to take an objective away from them.
1: I agree. Uh, so, cheap melee. Cheap melee spamming. is how you beat them.
0: You could do that. Okay.
1: <laughs> or whatever Brandon's co- cooking up, I'm kind of curious. Alright, what army is your absolute best matchup? You, you see that army across the board and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm good.
0: At this point, it would probably just be an army that I've practiced a lot against. Okay. So for example, um, if I'm facing an enemy battle company, uh, especially a White Scars battle company, I know what your tricks are, I know what you're going to try and do. (laughs) So even though your list might be really good, at least I know what you're going to try and pull off. So I can plan around it. Okay. So generally it's less about the power of the list and more about I know what you're going to do before you do.
1: Right. So then that's why practice is really important because you want to script as much as possible of your games. Uh, you want to when you're playing a specific type of army, you want to know what you're going to do turn one, what you're going to do turn two, what you're going, what you need to kill, what you don't need to worry about on turn four, blah blah blah. It, you kind of, it, it's it's hard to do, especially against good players. But if you can script as much as possible, script the game, then you're good. And then that that way you're relaxed. You know what you're doing. You don't have to worry about getting flustered or forgetting anything because everything's scripted. You've done this before a million times, and you can focus on the really really important things. Uh, that you might not know maybe an objective that's placed in a weird angle or something you don't normally see maybe an odd unit like an ironclad dreadnought or something that isn't in your script so you can take the time to think about that and everything else is just hopefully going to go according to plan obviously it's a dice game but dice are also can be predictable uh, in a sense that you you can always kind of rely on especially with re-rolls you can always kind of rely on average dice
0: but to answer your (laughs) question more fully of course there can always be a baby seal type list where Someone just doesn't build a very optimized list, but right. I'm kind of discounting that out of your question.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's not that's not really. I, I don't think you're actually going to see a lot of baby seals at the LVO. Um, maybe maybe you will, and I don't know. I just I feel like the the players at the LVO last year, every single one of them was really good, n- knew their army, even if they didn't bring an optimized list. Maybe they brought a fluffier list. I saw a guy last year who brought an Eldar a pink Eldar list. With a lot of Wraith Guard and some Dark Eldar, and he, he looked like he's, his list was more fun, less optimized, no Warp Spiders, no Wraith Knight, but he still did really well. Um, he pulled off an upset against uh, one of the one of the better Orc players. So, you know, I mean, the LVO, there are other events, there's narrative events, there's the casuals, um, there's the Age of Sigmar events that a lot of players are moving to, 40k players who maybe don't want to play that. The championships so i think you're going to see 400 of the best quality players i don't think you're going to see a lot of baby seals but maybe not i don't know maybe maybe you'll see a lot of people who are just there to have fun you're definitely going to see people there that have fun but and want to drink
0: to your point yes in my experience even the people who are just there to show up and have fun tend to have some very strong lists
1: yes and they, they're all all their lists are practice um they're very common gamer is the guy who has had the same army like dark Eldar or something for years, like 20 years. You know, he's always had this army. You know, he always runs pretty much the same list no matter what the meta is. And he just knows his list really well. And those guys are really dangerous. Uh, anyways, that's it for the interview. Brandon, thank you for coming on. Are there any comments that you want
0: to make? Any shout outs? Um, shout out to my team, Relentless D. Great group of, group of guys. And <laughs> can't are. wait for LVO. All right.
1: Thank you very much, Brandon. Thank you guys for listening. For this month, we are not going to be doing the List Lab segment. I am sorry. I do have a lot of lists from you guys, and please keep sending those in. I love getting them. I love hearing what you guys are brewing up and kind of talking back and forth and getting conversations. But unfortunately, for the month of January, we're just going to have to cut out the List Lab because I want to focus on these interviews. And also, if you have any other questions about the LVO, if you're going to the LVO and you want to know, uh, you want advice on your list, send that to me, frontlinegamingpdpop@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. Have a good one.